Revelation 2, verse 17, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and in the stone a name, or a new name written, which no man knoweth saveth, or saving him that receiveth it. Again he said, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth saving him that receiveth it. Amen. God has a name for you. God has a name for you. You know, in chapters 2 and 3 of the book of Revelation, God is speaking to overcomers. I've often said heaven is a home for those that have overcome. It's not a place for the weak, the cowardly, the, the faint-hearted. If you make it to heaven, it'll be because you overcame through the blood of the Lamb and by the word of your testimony. As overcomers, we're going to be fighters, soldiers, conquerors. And this promise in our text tonight is to overcomers. He said, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches to him that overcomes. Not to everybody, but to him that overcomes will I give to eat of the hidden manna. How do children of God make it when others faint in the dry season? When others faint when there is a season of drought or famine. How do children of God make it? He said, well, I'll let them eat of the hidden manna. We know that manna for the children of Israel was every day. While they were in that wilderness, without manna they would have perished. But the Lord told Moses, you just tell them, I'll feed them. They won't perish. I'll be food to them every morning if they'll obey me. If they'll walk in my statutes, keep my commandments. If they'll just open that tent flap every morning, there'll be bread lying on the ground for them to eat. Hallelujah to God. We understand that on the Sabbath, he didn't allow them to, to, to do any work. So on, you know, on Friday, they would gather enough to last them for two days. And that was the only day they were allowed to do that. But manna kept them alive. We understand manna being bread, bread from heaven, strength, the sustenance, nourishment. He said unto them that overcome, will I give them strength? Will I give them nourishment? Will I sustain them? Will I feed them with something that the normal eye, the natural man cannot see, cannot understand? I, I was praying this morning, just praying about my own life and my own ministry, you know, uh, even while I'm here, reports come in last night from the church and uh, some good reports and some disappointing reports. And I, I thought uh, to myself, Lord, uh, if I'm going to make it, if I'm going to make it all the ways you see people drop out, as you see people compromise, as you hear reports of people turning back, I've got to have something that apparently they don't have. I don't want to go back. I don't want to compromise. I don't want to turn back from the faith. I've got to make it. I've got to 
overcome. And I was thinking about the, uh, my pastor and his dad. I was telling Brother Mike this morning, he started, he pioneered the work there at Forts Lake. They started under an oak tree, went from an oak tree to an army tent and went from the tent to a block building uh, to, the, to the building currently there now, but he pastored there for 40 years uh, before retired, stayed there. Then Brother Tim, his son, followed him, and he's been there, I think, for 27 years. The church is 67 years old and on their second pastor. And I, Brother Cawley still teaches Sunday school, and he still sits on the front row, and he never misses a service, and he never misses a prayer meeting, and he goes and preaches uh, in the jail, and he passes out tracts at Walmart, and he does uh, anything he can for the kingdom of God still at 92 years old. Yes, he is one of my heroes of the faith. I said, Lord, whatever you fed him, I want you to feed. I want to eat from that. Uh, oh, whatever you've wrought in his life that's kept him faithful, that if I'm still here at 92 years old, I want to be doing something for the kingdom of God. I want my life to count for Jesus. I want to give back to him just a small token of gratitude of what he has so freely given unto me. Listen, Jesus is that man. He said, in him was life, and his life was the light of me. He that hath the Son hath life. Jesus said, I am the true bread. I am that true manna that comes down from the Father. He said, if any man eats of this bread, he will never die. Hallelujah to God. I, I want to tell you the only way you're ever going to make it all the way into the end to be an overcomer is to abide in Christ. I ate some of that bread that we had toast at Brother Connor's house this morning just a little bit to sustain my body until I could make it to lunch, but not that kind of bread. I had audience with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords this morning, and it's that bread that's gonna sustain my spirit and sustain my soul until the day I hear the trump of God sound. Amen. Notice in this verse, he said, to him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna. We've talked about that. He said, and I will give him a white stone and in the stone a new name written. As I studied this verse out and you studied Jewish history, there were three different experiences taught or told of concerning a white stone in Jewish culture. First, uh, white stones were given to all soldiers. To all those who fought in battle, a white stone was given when they would return home victorious over the enemy. It was called a victory stone. It was given to victors in battle as their reward. Amen. When they carried that white stone, it was the same as you see soldiers that are decorated with medals or with stars or with stripes. It was an honor to have the white stone. I want to say it's an honor to be a child of God this morning. 
It's an honor to fight in the army of the Lord. Every one of us could tell stories, uh, testimonies of victories, uh, trials that have been overcome, battles that the Lord has fought for us, uh, in us, through us in our life, and we are made overcomers by him. Secondly, judges used stones to rule in court cases to give their verdict. A black stone was rendered unto an individual when he was pronounced guilty. He would, at that guilty verdict, be imprisoned or sentenced to death. And when he was convicted, he was given a black stone he had to carry that stone throughout the course of his life. It was his, that black stone was his rap sheet. That black stone went with him everywhere he went. And when he had given his identification, that black stone was a part of his identification. When they seen a black stone, they knew he was some kind of criminal. His, his bad reputation would follow him everywhere he would go. And in society, be wary of him. He's got a black stone. I don't know what he was convicted of, but he's a scoundrel. He, 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 he may have been a crook, a thief, uh, something. That black stone went with him. But uh, if he was put on trial and the judge found him to be not guilty, he was given a white stone which meant he had been pardoned or that he was innocent or that he was found not guilty. And everywhere he went, he carried a white stone. And if somebody brought up an accusation of, of his past that he had been accused of, he would simply pull out the white stone. It forbid him to be charged with that crime ever again. It forbid him to have to go through trial again, double jeopardy, if you will. He would just say, look, I've already been to court and the judge has cleared my name and I have been declared not guilty. How many times has the enemy carried me back to days of gone by to my past and said, look, you're not worthy to preach the gospel. I know I'm not, but I have to pull that white stone out and say, I've been to Calvary. My sins have been paid for in full. My sins have been atoned for by the blood of Jesus. And the blood of the righteous Son of God has declared me not guilty before the Father. Hallelujah, you'll be glad on the day of judgment when you stand before God and the accuser of the brethren meets you there with a list a mile long of reasons why you shouldn't get into heaven. But Christ is gonna reach over and hand you a white stone and in that stone is gonna be a name redeemed, born again, child of God, my own, hallelujah to God. You're gonna be declared not guilty by the blood of Jesus Christ. Third, a white stone was given to war heroes. They would show the stone in public. He was to be provided for at the public's expense. The blessings of the Lord maketh rich and addeth no sorrow with it. Hallelujah. There are benefits to serving God. 
I said there are benefits to serving God. This world knows nothing about it, but I'll tell you, you'll serve God and be faithful whenever you need him. He said, no good thing will I withhold from him that walks uprightly. Hallelujah to God. There's just some things that if you live right and walk with God and honor God when you pray and when you're in a pinch and when you're in a desperate situation and you need him, thanks be to God, I can get a prayer through that God will hear, God will answer, and God will provide. Amen. He said, if you be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. That's a benefit for serving God. Amen. He said, a new name in that stone that only he knows. Listen, a man is known and remembered by his name. A good name, the Bible said, is to be treasured far above the price of rubies. If you've got a good name, that's a good thing. A good name will get you a lot of places. A good name will make room for you. If you've got a good name or a good reputation, people will go out of their way to try to help you. If you're in business, if you've got a good name, a good reputation, it'll get you a job. It'll get you a contract. Where if you've got a bad name, a bad reputation, that goes before you. Listen, if your reputation is that, that you're a crook or a thief or a swindler or a cheat, you're not going to find a job. Nobody's going to do business with you. Nobody's going to loan you any money. He said that I'll give you a white stone with a new name in it. A new name. Listen, if you say the name Hitler, if you say the name Stalin, if you say the name Osama bin Laden, I shouldn't do this, but I am. If you say the name Obama, things come to your mind. If it's a bad name, you remember the things that they've done. And they will be remembered for those things for the rest of their life. Listen, a name in the Bible was given sometimes for a reflective purpose. So that men would be reminded and reflect upon God when they heard a name. David in the Bible, if you read in 2 Samuel, Chapter number 5 in verses 13 through 15, there were born unto David of his wives and also of his concubines, children, sons. And he gave each one of those sons names. I'll give you three of them just so that I won't preach all day. But three of them, for instance, are reflective names. One of the names that he gave to one of his sons was Elishama. The word Elishama means God hears. Another son born unto David was the son Eliphalet, which means God delivers. Another son born unto David, the name that he gave to that boy was Eliada, which means God knows. 
Now, now in, in God's wisdom, in God's providence, uh, David was going to face a lot of trials, a lot of difficulties in life, and he, you've got these little boys running around the house that are always going to be a part of his life. Elishama, Eliphalet, Eliab, Eliada, God hears, God delivers, God knows. I can just see he's having a bad day. He's had a bad week. He's had a bad month, and it's made for a bad year. And those children are running around the house, and one of those wives, or one of those concubines, knowing that David is having a hard, difficult time, the wisdom of a wife and the wisdom of a mother has its rightful place in every man of God's life. I will say behind a strong man of God is, a, is a, a good wife, a woman that is there supporting him, strengthening him, undergirding him. And no doubt he's having a bad day, a bad week, a bad month, a bad year. And one of those wives or one of those, those boys running around messing everything up said, look now, your dad's going to be home in just a little while. He's not having a good day. He's not going to want to, you know, to be bothered with all this. Tell you boys what, why don't you go out in the backyard and I want you to hide. And when your dad gets home, I'll have supper ready and, and, and I want him to look for you. Don't come out until I give you the signal. I want him to really look for you. And he comes home and he's aggravated and he's stressed out and he's got a lot on his mind and she's trying to tell him, honey, it's going to be all right. God's going to help us. And he's grumbling and complaining. And she said, look, I've got supper ready. Why don't you call those boys in here? Why don't you get them in here and tell them it's time to wash up and eat? And he walks out the door. And he says, Elishama, Eliphalet, Elida, boys, it's time to eat. Get in here. And he comes back in and he gets washed up. And she says, those boys in yet? No, I called them. Go out there, call them again. Elishama, Eliphalet, Elid, where are you? And he comes back in and he said, oh, I'm going to tear those boys up. You, go out there and call them again. He's walking down the street now. Elishama, Eliphalet, Elid, where are you? That sounds just normal to us, but what he's really saying when he's walking down the road. God hears. God hears. He's, walk, he's looking behind every bush, screaming, God delivers. God delivers. He's looking behind every corner. God knows. God knows. And no doubt the Holy Ghost said, why don't you listen to yourself? God hears, God delivers, God knows, hallelujah to God. How many times have I been searching for strength and searching for help and searching for a way out and searching for sustenance, searching for peace and searching for joy and I just call upon the matchless name of Jesus. Jesus, my God, Jesus is still the sweet name I know how all those Old Testament names can be summed up in the most level
earthly name. You'll call his name Jesus. He's a savior. He'll save his people from their sin. He'll save them out of all of their distresses. He'll save them out of all of their troubles. He'll save them from sickness and disease. He'll save them. Hallelujah. It's like saying the name of Jesus. It just makes it better. Just singing the name of Jesus. Just whispering the name of Jesus. God hears. God delivers. God knows. I can hear the Lord say, listen to yourself. I know where you're at. I'm able to deliver you. I'm gonna help you. And he comes back in and wraps his arm around that wife. He hugs her neck and said, I see what you did there. Where are them boys at? They're coming. Thank you. It's going to be all right. Hallelujah. Reflective names remind us of God's provision for our life. Then there were prophetic names. Just like the name we've already mentioned. The name of Jesus. Prophesies to us that our God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we shall ask or even think according to the power that works in us. There are two other names I want to mention regarding our text this morning. One is found in the book of Genesis in chapter number 35 and verses 16 through 18. Rachel is dying. She's about to give birth to her second child, but she is dying. This childbirth, this travail is about to take her life. And as she gives birth to the son, her life is quickly fading away. They say, Rachel, what would you like to name your son? And she said, I want his name to be called Benoni. Benoni, listen, I'd rather die birthing the hope of revival for God's people than to live life barren. Somebody said, what a, what a tragedy to die in the travail of childbirth. How many men of God have lived and died travailing in their soul for a church, travailing in their soul for their children to be saved, travailing in that soul for revival to come to the kingdom of God, only to die in travail without ever seeing their hopes and their dreams birthed and brought to life. I'd rather die in travail, praying and believing God for revival than to just accept the fact that I belong to a barren church, a lifeless and a powerless church church. If you try to take the hope of revival out of me, then I quit. I'm not going to pastor. I'm not going to evangelize if, if there's no hope for revival. I mean, if God doesn't visit us in travail, if, if souls aren't birthed and born into the kingdom, if souls aren't stirred and spirits aren't lifted and churches aren't helped, then I quit. But there is hope. Hallelujah, as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. 
Listen. Jacob reveals the road to God's blessing in being given a new name. If there's anybody that knows in life what it's like to be tagged with a horrible name, Jacob would be the man. Jacob, because he was born second, he was a twin. He was born on the same day as his brother Esau, but he was born second. And as a sign that the younger would rule over the firstborn and that God's hand would be upon Jacob instead of Esau. When Esau was brought out of the womb first, the Bible said that Jacob reached up out of the womb and caught his brother by the heel. And so he was given the name heel catcher, supplanter, deceiver. How would you like to have that name? Come here, heel catcher. Come here, supplanter. Come here, old deceiver. Somebody that's trying to sneak up and take that away that belongs to somebody else. No wonder that Esau was his daddy's pick. A brutish man, a man of the field, a tough guy. And Jacob stayed at home with his mom. He tend to learn how to cook. You wouldn't have wanted to go out and play in the schoolyard either with a name like Jacob. Oh, supplanter. Oh, heel catcher. I think I'll just go back to the house. He knew what it was like to be tagged with a horrible, terrible name. Amen. But he also knew this. As his mom would teach him, as his mom would encourage him, as his mom would talk to him and say, let them call you whatever they want to call you, baby. But when you was inside my womb wrestling around, I felt like there was a struggle on the inside of me and the Lord said to me, there is a struggle. There's a war going on. Two sons are going to be born unto you and the youngest son is whom I, whom I have chosen. He's gonna rule the oldest son or the firstborn. My hand is going to be with Jacob. She said, you don't worry about what they say about you, son. Some way, somehow, God is gonna touch your life. Some way, somehow, God is gonna bless you. Some way, somehow, God is going to use you. I wanna tell you, that's my promise. Some way, somehow, God is gonna do a work in Foley, Alabama. Some way, somehow, we're gonna see the glory of God. Some way, somehow, brother, buddy, God is gonna touch me to do what he's called me to do. I felt like a failure a million times over, but I keep telling myself some way, somehow, I've got the promise of God. Hallelujah. Listen, God, not man, God says that I am more than a conqueror through him that has loved me. You might call me a failure. 
But God says, I'm more than a conqueror. Amen. Had a woman, we had started that church, and bless her heart, she's one of the more faithful women we've ever had. She had to move because of her health. Their daughter lived in New Mexico and another one in Connecticut. And they said, Mom, you got to move to where one of us is. We can't keep flying back and forth to try to take care of you. And uh, she said, I can't handle the cold in Connecticut, so I'll just go to New Mexico. And so she, you know, reluctantly and with a lot of tears, had to say goodbye to us several years ago. But years ago, when we were just starting out, there were two things we didn't have much of at Bible Way. That was money or people. And those two things tend to go hand in hand, you know. If you don't have very many people, you don't have very much money. And if you don't have very much money, usually it's because you don't have very many people. I was a preaching there one Sunday morning. We didn't have very many people. and We sure didn't have much money. We were struggling to keep the doors open, but I knew God had called us to start the church. I knew God had showed me the building. Uh, you know, uh, it was open, available for lease, and God said, this is the place. Right here on the side of this highway, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to bless your work right here. I'm going to have me a church, a Pentecostal church, uh, right here in Baldwin County. This is my will for your life. So we acquired the building. We're trying. We're struggling bless her heart, Sister Barbara Williams sitting on the back row, love me. I knew every morning at five o'clock in the morning, Sister Barbara was praying for me. She's sitting back there one Sunday morning, I preached and wasn't many people and wasn't much response and there wasn't much offering, so I'm looking for encouragement any way I can get it. She's still sitting there, last one left in the sanctuary. I'm turning everything off. I said, Sister Barbara, is everything all right? She said, well, I just want to talk to you for a minute. I said, okay. I said, what's going on? She said, Brother Eddie, are you sure we didn't miss the will of God? I said, what do you mean? She said, I just don't know if God is in this or not. I said, why would you say that? She said, only two reasons. I ain't got no people. I ain't got no money. <laughs> I'm thinking, man, you are encouraging me. Man, you are helping me this morning. And I said, well, all I know, Sister Barbara, is I know his voice. He said, my sheep will know my voice and another they will not follow. And I know he called me and I know his voice and I know I heard him and I know I'm in his will. And despite the fact that there are no people here, and despite the fact there's no money here, and despite the fact that we're not seeing very much result right now, I know him, and I'm gonna obey him. Listen, the world may look at you and not see any evidence that God is with you, but you gotta know him, and you gotta know what he's called you. Hallelujah to God. There could be, you You might uh, could have pets or livestock or something. They might have a, a hundred different animals out there. But if you have called them by their name and they ever learn or know their name, Jesus was speaking as a good shepherd. He said, my sheep know my voice. And if I call them, they will follow me. 
Brother Brian said on, on his first trip to Israel years ago, he said, I went. And he said, while we were on the trip, he said, we were kind of out in the barren land, in, in the bush country there. And he said, I had the, had the God encounter. He said, have the privilege. Uh, God allowed us to see a shepherd out there herding sheep and he said uh, he was out there in the middle he said he was chopping down brush uh, those little shrubs and trees he said chopping it down he was stacking it up he stacked it up in a circle he said we're waiting there by the bus he said I just went over there and began to talk to him he said what are you doing he said, I, I'm going to bed down with my sheep tonight. He said, they're grazing out here in, in this piece of land. He said, I've got to stay with them. Can't leave them. Wolves will get them at night. He said, got to be out here with them. He said, I'm making, a, you know, a pen or a sheepfold, a corral, just brush. He's stacking it up. They won't try to go through it. They'll stay right there. He said, he left a opening about six foot wide. And he said, well, what do you use for the door? He said, I see the circle and the opening. What do you use for the door so that none of them will get out at night while you sleep? He said he took a, a pallet there that was rolled up, looked like a, you know, a, a, a big backpack. He said he rolled it out as a pallet. Had him a little pillow there. He said, I'm the door. I'm the door. Sheep don't come in and they don't go out unless they come through me. Hallelujah to God. He said the Bible came alive to him. Yes, sir. And he said, well, how many sheep do you have? He said, well, personally, me, he said, shepherds can have as many sheep as they want to. He said, but for me, he said, I've got a hundred. He said, it's our custom. We don't have any more sheep than we can know or call or remember each individual one by their name. He said, and they're very docile and they're very tame. He said, we raise them up from little ewe lambs and we call them by their name. He said, and every individual sheep knows their name and they know my voice. He said, he began to call them by name and they would run up out of the herd and get right there by him and he would pet them and love on them and send them back. Oh, hallelujah to God. I wanna tell you, not only do I I know his name. He knows my name. And I hear him call me. I hear him call my name. I hear him tell me it's gonna be all right. I hear him when he tells me I'm still here. You're not in this valley by yourself. I'm still in the hindered part of the ship. If you call upon the name of the Lord, he's still a peace speaker. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. His name for me is conqueror. His name for me is victorious. His name for me is joyous. His name for me is powerful. Whoa, his name for me is uh, Holy Ghost filled. His name for me, you just fill in the blank. Oh, Rachel dies. It's a sad, sad time for Jacob. Rachel is the love of his life. 
She just bore him his second son. And brought the boy out and said the last thing Rachel ever did was give his boy a name. He said, what's your name, my boy? Benoni. Benoni. He said, my boy ain't being called Benoni. Ain't nobody tagging my boy with a name like that. He knew what it was to carry around a terrible name. What was the first thing God did when Jacob wrestled with him at Peniel? Changed his name. You ain't carrying around that anymore. You're not going to be called Jacob anymore. But Israel, for as a prince, you prevailed with God and you're going to prevail with man. He took him from having one of the lowest, most horrible or terrible names he could have to giving him a name of nobility, a name of power, a name of royalty. Do you know that name is still prominent in the world today? Do you know the devil still hates to hear that name today? Israel. She still exists. She's still here. Why? Because men still prevail with God and with man. Hallelujah. Men are still having an encounter with God. And God said that name will remain. He said, well, I appreciate Rachel. I love Rachel. He said, but it ain't custom for a mama to name the children. It ain't custom for a mama to give a boy his name. He said, that's my job. He's not going to be called Benoni, which means the son of my sorrow. He's not going to go around his whole life thinking that he is the reason that his mama is dead. He is not going to carry the weight and the guilt and the shame of his mother's death on his life. His name will not be the son of my sorrow. He said, but I... We'll call him Benjamin, the son of my right hand, the son of my blessing, the son of my authority, the son of my power. Hallelujah. I want to tell you, only your heavenly father has the power and the authority to give you a name. The devil can try to name you. The world can try to name you or label you. But I want you to hear this preacher this morning. If you're born again, you just cast that name off. That's what the world tried to label you with. Oh, they try to make you walk around with the guilt and the shame and the torment of your past or what they want to label you or they want to make you. But God said, you're my child. You're my son. You're my daughter. And only the Father has the authority to name you. Hallelujah to God. He called us redeemed. He called us conquerors. He called us believers. Yes. Listen, your heavenly Father's opinion of you is the only one that matters. Ooh, hallelujah. <laughs> I heard Sister Stephanie talking about her testimony the other night that she was adopted from birth. I didn't know that. 
We have children in our, in our church, four of them. Used to be six of them, but we had a family with two adopted children that left. But we've got we've still got four children in our church that were adopted. You know, all sisters were taken in as foster kids and adopted by a family that couldn't have children. And after they adopted them, they did have children. Had two of their own. Now there's six in that family, but they come to our church. And they that for years they live with the stigma. My mom didn't want me. I, I was too much of a burden for my mom. I, I, I was too much trouble. They lived with a stigma. I must have been an awful child. I must have gave my mom fits and a lot of trouble to make my own mom not want me anymore. But the longer they lived with Brother Daniel and Sister Brandy, and the longer that Brother Daniel and Sister Brandy loved on them and called them their own children and, and treated them with love and nurture and care, before long, Brother Daniel and Sister Brandy become daddy and mama. Hallelujah to God. And now that they're older, some are, are, are in college years and one of them's married and they're up and older in years now. They do not live with a stigma of being unwanted, unloved, and uncared for. No, they live with this. Though my mama didn't want me, God gave me somebody that loved me like their own. You see, every one of us have been grafted in. We've been, we cry unto God this morning with a spirit of adoption. The Holy Ghost has been my caretaker. The Holy Ghost has been my comforter. The Holy Ghost has reminded me this world this world of sin and sorrow and shame wanted to chew you up and spit you out and the God of this world, the prince and the power of the air wanted to send your soul to hell but your heavenly father has taken you in through the blood of Jesus and he loves you with an everlasting love. He's given you his own name and he's given you of his spirit to remind you how precious you are to him. No wonder when he gave him the Holy Ghost, he said, I won't leave you comfortless. I'll send you another comfort of the word. Comfortless means orphans. I won't leave you as orphans. I won't leave you to fend for yourself. I won't leave you feeling unwanted, uncared for unappreciated, like you don't fit, like you don't belong. He said, you'll never fit. You'll never belong in this world, but the Holy Ghost will show you there's another world. Hey, the Holy Ghost will open your eyes to see. Hallelujah. There's another world. The city whose builder and maker is the Lord. He'll write your name. He'll write your name in my book. You belong to me. <laughs> you hear that devil? 
I have a father. I have a father. He loves me. Listen, I'm closing with this. Three Hebrew children. Well-known Bible story. The world, Babylon, called them Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But that was not their God-given names. That was not their biblical names. The Bible tells us that before they were taken into captivity, before the enemy came in, stole them away and carried them into Babylon, that their God-given names were Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, which means Hananiah meaning Jehovah is gracious. Mishael means who is like our God. Azariah means Jehovah has helped us. Amen. So the first thing the devil's got to do, he said, I've stolen these boys away and I've got to give them a slave's mentality. I've got to enslave them in sin. I've got to bind them and make them believe that I'm their master. I've got to make them believe that they have to do whatever I tell them to do. I have to make them believe that I am their father and that they are my servants, subjects, and children. I, the first thing he said, I've got to give them a new identity. I've got to label them as my own. And he said, I'm going to give you new names, boys. You're not going to be Hananiah and Azariah and Mishael anymore. He said, you're going to be Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Shadrach simply means a great scribe. Meshach was the name of the moon god. Abednego was the servant of Nago. If the devil's going to keep you with a slave's defeated mentality in the bondage of sin and serving him forever, he's going to place his name on you. Failure. Failure. Backslider. Sinner. Whatever the devil can label you with. I'm telling you, I've, I've pastored and, and I'm still pastoring, preach every week at least on a minimum three times a week if I'm preaching, evangelizing, it's every night. And I'm telling you, every bad report the devil tries to label me, brother Mike. <laughs> Failure. I think of the apostle Paul at the end of his life to where he said, all men have forsaken me. Every last church I planted, Timothy, has went back to Judaism. They turned back from what I've taught them. I fear that all my labor for them has been in vain. He told the Galatian church in his letter to them, I fear for you lest I've labored over you in vain. Having begun in the spirit, you're now trying to be made perfect through the flesh. He said, you're falling from grace. No doubt the enemy came to the Apostle Paul and said, what a failure you are. Oh, Paul was a Benjamite. 
I just believe that God preached to Paul the same story I'm preaching to you. I want you to remember, son, sitting in this jail cell, stripes on your back, all men having forsaken you, every church you planted turned and gone back to Judaism and to the law, you'll never be Benoni. You'll never be the son of my sorrow. You're the son of my right hand. When you've been dead for 2,000 years, boy, I'll be planting some more churches. When you're dead for 2,000 years, I'll be starting churches in India. I'll be planting a Pentecostal work in Jerusalem. Hallelujah to God. Hallelujah to God. Hallelujah to God. He said... Your name ain't gonna be Saul. It's gonna be Paul. Hallelujah. He started out in his earthly ministry as Saul of Tarsus. All he was was a cheat of sinners. All he was was a murderer and a persecutor of the church. But when God got a hold to him, he said, your name's gonna be Paul, which means small to them. But he was anything but. He was small to the world. They cast him off as a traitor. They said, much learning has made you mad. We're gonna take your head. All the churches you planted are gonna turn back and you're gonna die by yourself in a jail cell. But God told him your name is Paul. I know who you are and little is much if God's in it. Listen, them boys in a, in a foreign land, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. I said, won't you to eat our food? Oh, Daniel's with them like a big brother. He said, listen to me, boys. He said, they gave me one of them goofy names too, Belshazzar. He said, but don't ever forget I'm Daniel. Don't ever forget I'm Daniel. He said, don't call yourself by them goofy names. He said, I'm Daniel, you're Mishael, you're Azariah, and you're Hananiah, and don't you ever forget it. He said, want you to eat this king's meat been offered unto idols. He said, boys, we ain't eating what they eat. We ain't being called by their goofy names. We ain't gonna dress like they dress. We ain't gonna worship their gods. Though we're in a foreign land, we'll live here like strangers. We'll live here like pilgrims. We are who we are by the grace of God. I said we are what we are by the grace of God. You ain't nobody. You're just a pastor. You just pastor a little church in Foley. I am what I am by the grace of God. I ain't trying to be Clinton. I ain't trying to be Connor. I'm not trying to be Brother Mike. I'm just Eddie Sullivan. But we are who we are by the grace of God. Hallelujah to God. Don't believe in women preachers, somebody said. But she is who she is by the grace of God. You ain't gonna answer for her. She is. God knows her name. God put a call on her life and she'll answer to God for herself. Hallelujah. 
Hila bahata yanda rabohosa ndara makaya Hila bashanda rabakosi yende nebekata I feel him in his house today Woo We are who we are boys and don't ever forget it Come back he said why don't you eat you why don't you eat your food? King told me to feed y'all boys. He knows you're smart. He knows you're bright. He can see gifts in you. You're going to be his wise men. You're going to be his, his astrologers, his soothsayers. Daniel said, tell you what, if you see anything good in us just because of our walk and our relationship with our God, and if you want it to keep seeing good things in us or out of us, you'll let us serve our God the way he commanded. We can't eat that meat offered unto an idol. We don't believe in that God. You do, that's fine. You eat it. Let the rest of these guys eat it. You just let us eat vegetables. You come and check on us in a few days and check our countenance versus theirs. He said, deal. And when he come back, uh, oh, Daniel, Mishael, Hananiah, hallelujah. They all look better than the rest of them boys. He said, y'all just keep on keeping on. Y'all just keep on doing whatever you've been doing. Amen. They're, they're walking and boys is living. There's a decree been passed at what time you hear the sound of the music. Stop what you're doing. There's going to be an idol of a king rolled out. You're going, to, you're going to dance to the music. And when you get through dancing to our beat, you're going to bow down to the king's image and worship him. And three boys said, well, I couldn't eat their meat. And I ain't going to bow to their image. I ain't going to dance to the beat of their music. Mm -mm. That ain't what we are by the grace of God. And so they brought that image out. They started playing the music. No, Hananiah just stood there. Mishael just stood there. Azariah just stood there. The princes of their lands who hated their guts said, we got them. Said, okay, ain't got three boys out there, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Done rolled the image out, played the music. They didn't dance and they didn't buy. He said, them's good boys. He said, some of the best boys I got. He said, they just didn't understand what she's talking about. They just didn't understand the law. Bring them in here to me and I'll get things straightened out with them. Then they'll bow. They'll bow. Them boys love me better than they love anybody. They'll bow. He called them in there, good to see you. He said, now boys, I know y'all just misunderstood. When you hear that music, when you see that image they made of me, you just bow down. You just worship that image the same as you would worship your God Everything will be all right. You can keep dressing in your Hebrew garments. You can keep eating your Hebrew food. You can keep praying to your Hebrew God. You just dance to my music and bow to my image. Everything will be all right. I promise. He said, King, we understood the law. 
We knew exactly what you wanted to do. You're the one that don't understand. We ain't going to bow. <laughs> Just like we wouldn't eat your food, we're not bowing to your image. The Bible said he got mad as a devil. He said, make me a, a, a fiery furnace. And they made him one. He said, that ain't good enough. It ain't big enough. Heat it seven times hotter. And he said, now I'm going to give you one more chance, boys. To, when you hear the music and you see my image to bow down, or I'm going to throw all three of you in that fiery furnace, and then you tell me what God is going to deliver you out of that fiery furnace or out of my hand. And they said, King, let it be, be made known to you and everybody else that can hear us. We are not going to bow. We are not careful in how we're going to answer you. mean, we're not even worried about, uh, about we're not de debating or deliberating on the, what to do. We already know what we're going to do. We're going to keep standing for Jesus. We're going to keep standing for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to stand. We're never going to bow. You can heat it seven times hotter and we don't even know if God will save us or not. The only thing we know for sure is we ain't bowing today. We might die today, but we're not bowing today. And they said, but let us also add, if he wants to, if he will, our God is able to deliver us out of your hand and out of the fiery furnace. He said, throw them in there, boys. Uh, throw them in there right now. They had them bound up with cords. Uh, and the guards came. And when they got close enough to throw them in, the fire, the heat was so great, it killed the guards. Uh, and it burned the bands off of them. You ever read the scripture where two or three of you are gathered together in my name? The name that I give you. Redeemed victorious, overcomers, Holy Ghost filled, joyous, hallelujah to God, hallelujah to God. They didn't go in there as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When they got cast in there, the bands fell off of them. No doubt they were holding their breath and had their eyes closed. And one of them realized, ain't nothing happening. I hear fire crackling and popping. I hear wood burning. I hear men screaming in agony. The guards that are dying. I hear others oohing and on in astonishment. He's walking in fire. He's not being burned. He can't even smell smoke. You know smoke's billowing up out of there and the heat don't kill him. Smoke inhalation will. He's not being affected by the flame. He's not being affected by the smoke. Oh, Hananiah looks at himself. Again, his name means Jehovah is gracious. Oh, Hananiah looks over and he said, Mishael, Mishael, meaning who is like our God? Oh, Jehovah's gracious. He's standing there saying, who's like our God? Who's like our God? And another voice answers out of the fire, Azariah, which means Jehovah has helped. He said, Jehovah has helped. Is that you? Is that you I hear? 
Jehovah has helped. He said, it's me. It's me, Jehovah is gracious. It's me, Jehovah is gracious. Thanks be to God where two or three are gathered together in his name. In Jehovah is gracious. In God has helped. My God, what's your name? My name is redeemed. What's your name? My name's healed. What's your name? It's overcomer. What's your name? My God, it's more than a conqueror. You get them kind of people gathered together, Brother Mike, he said, I'll be there. You get those kind of people calling on the name of the Lord, he said, I guarantee you, I'll show up. It's a different story when you get two or three there defeated, mully grubs, down and out, gripe and complain. You can get a hundred of them and they can call on the name of the Lord and he won't be there. But you get a few there that's called by his name. He'll show up every time. You give me two or three men. You give me two or three ladies that have the victory, that are full of the Holy Ghost and that have identified themselves with a victorious, strong son of God and we'll have church. We'll do the will of God. Ladies, come help me this morning. I'm finished preaching. If you're able, stand with me all over this house this morning. I'm just trying to simply remind McClenny Church of God this morning who you are. I'm simply trying to remind you who you are. Do you realize what you're doing is impossible? You're going around the world, literally, doing the impossible. While the devil tells you you can't even have church in McClinic, Florida. You're literally planting churches around the world. Hallelujah. He wants me to be defeated. He wants me to be cast down. He wants me to be overcome. Amen. But God said, no, you're overcomer. Amen. You're conqueror, not conquered. You're victorious, not victim. You're going to do the impossible because you're mine and I live in you. You're not Benoni, you're Benjamin. You're not Shadrach, you're Mishael. You're not Belshazzar, you're Daniel. You're not defeated this morning, you're God's church. 